Nicotine receptors can be found all over the brain, and even some can be disguised as some other type of neurotransmitter. Nicotine and the receptors are hard to pinpoint in the brain. It's going to require a massive amount of time and a plethora of years to chemically identify and study every single neurotransmitter in the brain, making it impossible to have an accurate claim of exactly what is responsible for nicotine's addiction in the brain. If we can identify each and every transmitter involved in the synapsis of nicotine and its chemical reaction, we can then have an absolute cure. The impossibility of finding a cure for nicotine can relate to other drugs at not having an absolute instantaneous cure. Instead, we must cure addiction through counseling and a lengthy cure known as rehabilitation. Believe it or not, in a psychology class during my college career, I was able to perform my own study on mice, which were all obtained from the same letter. I made one mouse the test subject, and the other mouse served as my fixed variable or the subject matter in which I would establish a normal or zero. You must have a test subject in all nicotine studies because you won't have anything to measure off of. I was able to analyze these mice over a seven-week period, recording their eating habits, exercise habits, and their changes in behavior. You may probably question why I have decided to use mice for my study. My response is that mice have been used for research for decades in the study of fields of medicine, biology, psychology, psychiatry, and sociology. Mice can be responsible for major cures and vaccines that we have today. The reason scientists use mice is because they share a high degree of homoology with human beings. Homoology is a shared characteristics that two different organisms share due to shared ancestry. Since the human being is the highest consumer of nicotine, mice should be used. In conclusion, we could say that mice are biologically similar to humans. The average lab rat is about 10 to 15 centimeters long with a body weight of about 20 grams. Each mouse was weighed and the food and water consumption would be tracked. Mice are herbivores and consume on average 15 grams of food each day, which is equivalent to 0.53 ounces per 100 grams, 3.5 ounces of body weight. Mice digest about 15 milliliters of water each day, which amounts to 0.51 fluid ounces per 100 grams of weight, 3.5 ounces. Since mice are nocturnal, testing of nicotine on mice would be more efficient at night, as they would be further stressed than during the daytime or when there are periods of light. I have also constructed three different types of mazes in which the mice would be timed when going through. From analyzing all the effects and claims about nicotine, I have a prediction that the mice who have been exposed to nicotine will have a harder time handling mental stress and will also have more difficulty when trying to successfully navigate through the maze. The purpose of the three different types of mazes is to try and prove that nicotine in fact can take over some functions of the brain while one is experiencing withdrawals or cravings. We could see that the general public has a pretty good idea about the addictiveness about this drug, but the project that I have conducted will give you a better understanding about how harmful this drug known as nicotine can actually be. You may know the general negative side effects, but what you don't know are the negative effects not displayed by the nicotine-based companies or the ones that aren't required to be displayed by the Food and Drug Administration. To establish how much nicotine I should administer the mouse, I have recorded the weight of the average smoker and the average amount of nicotine that a human ingests each day. This statistical information can be easily obtained by government agencies all over the internet. In conducting research, I found that the average cigarette sold on American store shelves contains about 9 milligrams of nicotine. When the cigarette endures combustion and the burnt tobacco is inhaled, only 1 milligram of nicotine will be ingested. The rest of the nicotine is lost during combustion and enter into the Earth's atmosphere where it eventually dissipates.
Since it's only one milligram of nicotine a person inhales per cigarette, I compared the average body weight of an adult human and compared that to an adult mouse. Through statistical research on the internet, I found that the average human throughout the world weighs about 154 pounds, which can be converted to 70,000 grams. The average weight of a mouse used in laboratory research averages out to be 20 grams. I took this information and made a statistical calculation on how much nicotine the mouse should be given to replicate human cigarette consumption, which turned out to be 0 0.00029 grams of nicotine. After entering nicotine to their diets, I couldn't help but notice the mice were extremely active. They were running on their mouse wheels, which were placed in their cage since initiation of the experiment. They would run on a wheel every day for several hours. The mice continued to communicate with each other and no tension seemed to exist. If it wasn't for the use of female mice, the male mice would have communication problems due to territorial fighting and other male domination.